Hey everyone, I'm Sam Shaheen and you're listening to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. United by Blue is a unique company for many reasons. They were founded as a waterway cleanup company and decided to sell apparel only to serve that goal. For every piece of apparel they sell, they will clean up one pound of waste from a waterway and they're a certified B Corp. But none of those are reasons I wanted to talk to United by Blue, or UBB for short. UBB has developed a whole line of apparel around salvaged bison coat fibers, something no one else in the world is doing. I sat down with UBB's senior apparel designer, Brendan Routh, to discuss creating a brand new supply chain around bison fibers, how bison compares to wool and down, how UBB uses this bison down, and where this unique fiber will go in the future. Let's check it out. So today, I'm really excited to be sitting down with Brendan Routh, who works with an apparel company doing some really interesting things called United by Blue. And we're going to get into some of those interesting things here in a second. But first, Brendan, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, considering. How are you? (laughs) Not so bad. I'm getting used to the isolation. I'm not actually sure that's true. I'm just like accepting the isolation at this point. (laughs) Right. I think that's all any of us can do. Yeah, well, uh, let's power through. It's a, it's a good time to record some podcasts, right? Exactly. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in your current role at United by Blue? Sure. So uh, I am the senior apparel designer at United by Blue, and I have been working in the apparel industry for about 10 years. Um, I started out at L.L. Bean um, right after graduating college and uh, worked there as an intern and um, part-time and contract and eventually worked my way through a couple different companies till I found my way to United by Blue about three years ago. Okay. So senior apparel designer, can you explain a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So senior apparel designer means I oversee the sourcing, uh, development, and design of all the apparel product. So anything that we put out that is a shirt or pant, jacket, that sort of thing. I'm overseeing it um, and setting the direction for the brand. So a lot of our listeners probably haven't heard of United by Blue. Can you give a brief rundown of the company and the motivation sort of behind the concept? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're a pretty unique company. We weren't actually founded to be a apparel company. We were founded to be a waterway cleanup company. And the apparel or anything else we sell is just to fund those waterway cleanups. So United by Blue was founded in 2010 in Philadelphia um, with a mission to clean up uh, the oceans as well as inward lakes and waterways like rivers and streams. Uh, And the way we do that is by cleaning up uh, illegal dump sites and having volunteer cleanups all across the country and now globally. And the way we fund those is for every product we sell, we have a commitment to clean up a pound of trash. So if a customer purchases a shirt or a pair of socks from us, we clean up a pound of trash somewhere in the world. That's uh, that's pretty that's pretty rad, honestly, and very interesting side effect of your main mission. Can you explain a little bit behind the name United by Blue? Yeah, so that directly ties to our uh, waterway cleanups. Um, Our founder, uh, Brian Linton, grew up around the water and has 
huge passion for the oceans and waterways of the world and keeping them clean. He sees them as a vital part of the ecosystem that we need to sustain and protect. Um, and so bringing people together around water is really where the name comes from, United by Blue. And, uh, you know, it often gets mistaken at first for uh, some other type of company rather than an apparel company, but it really ties back to that waterway mission. So Philadelphia seems like kind of an interesting place to start a company based around waterways in the ocean. I, I, I would have guessed you guys would be coming from some place like Costa Rica or I don't know, some place with, with, a, with a lot of coastline. Um, a lot of people are, are curious to find out why we started in Philadelphia, and it's a combination of reasons. I mean, um, Brian grew up all over the world, um, including Singapore and some other places, so he definitely had a lot of exposure to water all over the place. Uh, but when he founded United by Blue, he was, um, going to school in Philadelphia. So it was a logical place for him to found the con uh, company. And, uh, Philadelphia happens to be a fairly filthy city. So it was a good place to start cleaning up. <laughs> Easy to find all those pounds of trash that you need, right? Yeah. And we have, you know, rivers on either side of the city um, between the Schuylkill and the Delaware. So there's plenty of waterways to protect. So the thing that kind of drew me towards UBB first, I will say, is one of my favorite shoes of all times. We're not going to talk about shoes in this podcast. And I've talked about this shoe in the past, but it was a collaboration that you guys did with Soul. This was about a year ago, you, it was called the Jasper Wool Chucka, and it was an insulated merino wool shoe that had an incredible sustainability story. Basically, every single aspect of the shoe was sustainable in some way. And um, it was insulated by bison wool. That's right. Which is what we're here to talk about today. Um, maybe before we get into the, the like nitty gritty of the bison, if you want to talk about that shoe a little bit. Yeah, so that shoe is um, is a product by Soul. Um, we collaborated to provide them the insulation because they were struggling to find um, a sustainable insulation. They really wanted to have a shoe that didn't rely on a polyester or recycled polyester insulation. And there just aren't that many options out there. So uh, we connected with them um, through one of our founders and it seemed like a great match. Um, so we built and provided the insulation that goes into that shoe. Yeah, that that shoe was was pretty incredible, honestly. It was a pretty incredible shoe from the from the sole from the sole design part of it where that has like this very very supportive cork midsole and outsole that is just like extremely comfortable and then this very lightweight breathable and warm upper that you guys helped with them with the combination of the merino wool insulated with the bison um i have worn my pair so many times that's great to hear let's talk a little bit more about bison and the first thing i want to talk about with bison is where did the idea come from to use bison wool? It seems like such kind of an off the wall, an off the wall thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty interesting story. I wasn't around for the origination of the bison product. Um, I've been with the company, like I said, about three years and bison's been involved at United by Blue longer than that. 
But the story that I've been told, um, and that seems to be uh, the the lore of how Bison got involved in a waterway conservation company, is that a friend of Brian's um, sent him some of what's called Bison Down, which is the finest fiber, uh, the undercoat of bison fur um, when Brian was sort of searching for new ways to make sustainable materials. And when he first felt that bison down, he was just blown away by how soft and warm it felt um, and just was compelled to find a way to do something with it. So the first product they put out uh, with the bison was with the down and it was a sock, which we still sell today. Okay, so um, I've been saying bison wool already i've said it like a lot of different times is that not a technically correct term is there any wool from the bison or is it all down uh so bison is considered a wool-like fiber um wool is sort of protected by the sheep industry um the term wool uh but it's fairly comparable so you can call it bison wool. Uh, we call it bison down to distinguish the finest fiber, but there's also what's called guard hairs, which we use as well in a totally different product. Um, that's what we use in our insulation, like what we sent to Seoul. Okay. Could you walk through the various applications that you're using this insulation and this fiber in? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're always looking for new ways to, to use the bison fiber. Um, and I've been tasked with sort of pushing forward and innovating what sort of products we can do on the apparel side. Um, but really to understand like the way we use the fiber, you have to understand a little bit about the supply chain, which is something that we manage completely from fiber all the way through to uh, finished product, which most apparel companies don't do. They're buying finished um, fabrics or insulations and then making product out of them. Um, we actually work directly with the ranchers, the scourers who clean the fiber, the dehairers, um, the spinners who make it into yarn or uh, the insulation manufacturers, and then the final factories that cut and sew or knit uh, product out of it. And when we source this fiber, we have to sort it into sort of two main groups, um, one which is the down and the rest which is various grades of the coarser fiber called guard hair. Uh, the down only makes up like 10 to 15% of what we actually get. So we were left over with just massive amounts of this guard hair, which we couldn't use for the knit products like the hats and gloves. Um, so we had to find another use for it. And that's where the insulation was born. Uh, so overall, we're making socks, hats, gloves out of the fine fiber. And then out of the hollow uh, guard hair, we're making the insulation, um, the latest of which we call our Bison Ultralight, which is a totally natural insulation. First thing, before we get into talking about the insulations and then using it as a yarn for socks and gloves, there were some really interesting jobs that you listed off in that supply chain that I really want to learn more about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like there's there's someone whose job is job title is dehairer. <laughs> Uh, D hair isn't like a person's job title. It's 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 more of a process. But uh, I can walk you through the supply chain in a little more detail, and um, maybe we can get into some of the nitty gritty around that. But basically, from the ranchers, we work with them uh, to connect with the slaughterhouses. Bison are raised in the United States um, as the meat industry. And that's another important part of this um, story, which I hadn't touched on before. We're not 
uh, creating industry around raising bison. Um, so a lot of people are concerned that we're contributing to sort of the the agriculture process that can be harmful to the environment. But all we're doing is stepping into an existing uh, meat industry and utilizing a fiber that was being burned or thrown away. And the place where we can step in and do that is at the slaughterhouses where they will um, slaughter the animal, process the animal, and then clean the hide of the fiber. We've stepped in to take that hide, rescue the fiber before it's burned or thrown away, and then return the hide so that it can be turned into a leather product. So that's the first stage United by Blue gets involved with. When you say all the fiber that you get from the hide, are you basically shearing these hides bare? Yeah, so we shear pretty much the entire thing um, just because we don't want to waste any of the fiber that's there. Um, I haven't actually been to the shearing facility um, where some of the ranchers that we work with actually oversee uh, the shearing of these hides. So I can't tell you exactly what it looks like, but um, my coworker, Bastiana, um, has seen the shearing facilities and our CEO, uh, Brian, I'm sure has as well. And they're trying to capture as much of the fiber as possible at that point um, before we start to separate it out into different qualities. The next stage is to take all that rescued fiber, which is very dirty. Uh, the bison animals aren't, you know, penned. They're they're allowed to roam, so they're not cleaned regularly or anything like that. So we have to take it to what's called a scouring facility. Scouring is just a way to say washing, where they basically uh, wash it to get out as much of the dirt, um, bugs, grass, whatever else might have been in the bison fiber Um and just get it into a place where it can be processed without damaging any machines or um, be contaminated by any sort of insects or things like that. So from scouring, it then goes to a dehairing facility. Uh, the dehairing facility is just a machine um, run by several different operators that has these sort of like interlocking toothed wheels um, that pull different lengths of fiber apart and different widths of fiber apart. So every time you run the fiber through, you're getting um, finer and finer fiber at one end. Um, so we take all the fiber and we basically get what we call, um, well, we, we break it into five grades. So the first grade, uh, the grade that we use for the hats and gloves, the, the cashmere-like fiber is called prime. Um, so we have a, a drop of prime, which again is, is somewhere between 10 and 15% of the total yield. And then we have a drop, which is very fine fiber, but not as fine as the prime. Um, B drop, which is still usable fiber and quite good quality. C drop, which is usable fiber, but pretty coarse quality. A D drop, which is very coarse and only used in um, the most rudimentary of products. And then we have wastage, which is just fiber that can't be used because it's either damaged or um, just too coarse to do anything with. So the prime fibers, how do they compare to like a merino wool that our listeners might be more familiar with? You know, what are what are the diameters in comparison to some of these finer finer wools from sheep? Yeah, so because bright bison aren't bred for uh, shearing, the fiber consistency is way less reliable than you would find in like a merino wool. It depends on the season, the time of year, um, 
which bison you're shearing, um, that sort of thing. But in general, we can assume that uh, the prime fiber is going to be somewhere between 15 and 18 microns, which puts us right at the uh, high end of cashmere, low end of uh, merino. It can get as fine as 13 microns, um, but that's less common. And it also um, would cause more wastage if we didn't include some of those other um, microns. But that should give listeners a pretty good idea of how it compares to merino. So the the particularly pretty bison, those are the 13 micron. I would assume so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so you so you get this whole sort of spectrum of fiber from prime to D grade. And how does that get broken up? Does does like does is there like a cutoff from where it goes to yarn products versus insulation products? Yeah, absolutely. So prime, we generally refer to on our website as bison down. Um, that's the finest fiber. It's super luxurious and soft. It's very warm. Um, and that's what we use to make any good that will be sort of next to skin. So hats, socks, gloves, that sort of thing. Um, and the bison socks, the ultimate American socks are probably our most, um, recognized product. Uh, we sell hundreds of thousands of those and they're just an incredibly warm product. Everything else then gets sorted out into different types of insulation. Um, we've manufactured three different main types of insulation at United by Blue. Um, the what we call B100, which is the original insulation. We made a needle punch version of that insulation just so it could be used in things um, that need a more compact insulation. And then uh, our latest, which uses the A and B drops um, blended with merino wool uh, that we're calling our ultralight insulation, which is our warmest and lightest weight insulation we produce so far. Talking more to the insulation, what makes the the bison fiber particularly well-suited to be an insulator? Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is learn a little bit about the bison's lifestyle, and it makes sense that the fiber that is on their body keeps them warm. I mean, they wander the frozen Rockies um, for food and things like that, and uh, they last through the most rugged winters. Um, and bison are just this incredibly storied animal. But to get into the details of it, um, bison fiber is a lot like wool. You can attribute a lot of the attributes you're familiar with from merino wool into bison, and they're true. It's a warm when wet, hollow fiber. It's antimicrobial, um, and it just is an incredible insulator because of those reasons. Unlike, you know, a synthetic... um, and down, it is going to just provide all condition warmth and it won't, you know, bat down and um, lose its warmth or grow bacteria like you would find in some polyester. So some of our listeners might be familiar with wool insulation program, a sheep wool insulation program that the company Ordovox uses that they call Swiss wool. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it's, it's it's a very similar idea to what you guys are doing with bison, but with, you know, sheep from the Swiss Alps. Can you compare at all the, the two products, the, the, the Swiss wool and the, the bison insulation that you guys are using? 
Yeah, I mean, I can talk to it uh, at a high level. Ordovox doesn't have very specifics about how their um, wool is manufactured into insulation. So I don't want to speak too closely to to the, the type of insulation that they're using. But the idea is very similar. We're basically taking a hollow wool-like fiber um, that's going to stay warm when wet and manufacturing a batted insulation, which can be used in garments or outerwear to provide a all natural down alternative. The major difference that I would call out between the Ortovox Swiss wool and our product is uh, the bison is a salvage fiber. So we're not adding again to an agricultural industry or, um, you know, sort of the, the problems that are associated with that. We're just stepping into what was a waste, reclaiming it and turning it into a product that can be used by people who love the outdoors. And when you make when you make that assertion, I mean, it sounds almost identical to down, right? Like down, the geese and the duck are raised for food. We step in, we take the down, we use it as well. Um, how how from a performance issue though does the bison compare to you know honestly the the very impressive performance of down? Yeah, so there's some distinct differences between the bison wool and down in terms of their performance values. And I think it's important to keep in mind here what the need of the consumer is. Um, United by Blue is an outdoor lifestyle brand. We're not trying to outfit somebody to hike Everest. Um, We want people who just love the outdoors and are trying to get out there on a nice ski day or take a hike um, and outfit them well. Uh, We want to be an outdoor brand for the masses, um, not for the elite. And Because of that, we don't need something that's going to protect you in negative 60 wind chill weather. Uh, Most people aren't even going to go out and ski or hike in that type of weather. Um, So as far as the performance goes, you know, down is warmer per gram. Um, That's true of down compared to any insulation out there, whether synthetic or natural. But it has some distinct disadvantages, which are its performance when it gets wet. Down uh, is not antimicrobial, and when it gets wet, it loses like 70% of its warmth value. I'm not exactly sure what the statistic is there, but it's an incredible loss of warmth. Whereas bison performs just as well warmth-wise wet or dry, and it has that added benefit of being antimicrobial. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make because especially for our listenership and people people who consider themselves gearheads in the outdoor world. And I'm, I am absolutely susceptible to this line of thinking as well, but you know, I'm sitting here in my little studio and I've got all these pieces of gear around me and almost all of them are overkill for what I do with them. You know, I've looking at a thousand fill power down jacket from Rab that is beautiful. I love it, but I never, I never need to hit that level of performance at that weight class. Like I've never found myself in a situation where the 40 grams that the thousand fill power over the 800 fill power saved me was the thing that dictated success or life and death or these things. And, um, you know, I've been wearing the ultralight bison jacket that you guys make. I've been wearing that thing around town and, and keeping it as an insulator in my pack for certain things. And it's great. It's got a really, it's got a really like clean aesthetic. The fit is great. It's a little bit warmer 
per the per you know the the insulation value than some of these ultralight things because there is some uh, inherent warmth behind weight you know there's a there's a thermal mass behind these things and uh i don't wear my micropuff around town anymore because it's totally overkill and i have this this uh this ultralight this bison ultralight that i've been wearing and really liking so i think there's definitely something to be said for like truly evaluating what your needs are and understanding that most of us most of the time don't need this incredibly high performance cutting edge technology right exactly and i think one of the things that um, just naturally came about as part of the United by Blue philosophy when we approach outdoor gear and apparel is this coming from this place of sustainability, right? And when we indulge in the in the extreme performance end of garments um, needlessly, we are contributing to sort of a less sustainable approach to outerwear. Um, we're using only the finest of the fine down, which means that perfectly good down isn't getting used. Or in, in other cases, you know, resources like bison aren't getting used. Um, and that puts more stress on particular industries and particular resources when we can be completely adequately taken care of with something that's readily available and just being overlooked. Yeah, not only that, I mean, like this thousand fill power jacket that I just told you about, I never wear it because it's so light and I don't want to ruin it. You know, like if it, if it gets snagged on like, a little burr on the edge of my car door or like a zipper in my pack. It could, it's, it's incredibly lightweight. It's not very durable. And the, the, the UBB bison wool ultralight is much more substantial and I'm not worried about it tearing, you know, at, at, at minor things. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said for, for that point behind sustainability because durability repairability, those are things that are often overlooked in the whole sustainability story. Absolutely. And, you know, you're, you're comparing this uh, bison ultralight to, to your, you know, thousand fill power, super, super light. But I am, you know, super impressed with the product that we were end up able to put out. I just was, uh, you know, as a designer and as a product developer, I was I had my hesitations at first. I didn't know how it was going to perform when we developed this new installation. Um, I knew it was going to be warm, but I didn't know how warm it was actually going to be. And we were able to put together a jacket at a very accessible price point, under $200, that is rated to negative 10 and weighs less than a pound. For most people, that's an incredibly versatile and you know usable jacket. And we tested it head to head against um, some other market samples and it outperformed them which just was such a great confirmation of the bison insulation and bison story for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I haven't put it head-to-head with the Micropuff in really gnarly conditions, but I would I would wager that it's warmer than the Patagonia Micropuff. Granted, it's not as light. No question. It's not as packable. No question. Sure. Um, but most people don't need the lightness and the packability of the Micropuff. Let's talk a little bit about using bison as a yarn component. So we've been in quarantine now, honestly, for not that long. It feels like <laughs> months. It feels like I'm I'm literally going crazy here, stuck in my house. But one thing, one bright light in this self-isolation world has been my pair of UBB's Ultimate Bison Socks, 
which are probably the warmest and most comfortable socks I've ever worn that don't also make my feet sweat an incredible amount. I've, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to say that I've worn them probably like six days in a row now. <laughs> well, you can though, with that, uh, that antimicrobial, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, are they antiviral too? Uh, not as far as I know, but, uh, you know, if we find that out, I'm sure, uh, we'll put that testing out for everybody. Yeah. You guys should start testing that ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, can you talk about a bit about how the bison fiber or the bison down, I guess we're calling it in the socks, um, performs as a yarn component in these applications? Yeah, so uh, we spin yarn blended with wool. So I don't remember the exact content of the yarn um, because it's a little bit different than the end content of the sock. But we blend it with wool um, and make two different yarns. We have our ultimate bison sock, which is what I believe you're wearing. And then we have a lighter weight bison trail sock. And um, it's just a really great fiber to have as a yarn because of how soft and warm that bison down is. So when you say you blend it with wool, do you, do you have, do you know what, what the blend percentage is off the top of your head? Um, I believe it's, it's a uh, 80% wool, 20% bison. And the reason that we do that is so that, uh, we can get more socks and, and basically, um, help lower the cost. So because bison is such a unique fiber and uh, as I mentioned before, the yield is so small, um, the cost of bison fiber to produce as a company is actually higher than the current cost of cashmere in the market. So it's a very, very expensive fiber right now. And that's partially because of scale and partially because we're managing the entire process ourselves. And um, it's just a new industry. So in order to make the sock accessible and get it to as many people as we could, we wanted to make sure we were blending it in a way that was still meaningful. You were still getting the benefits of the bison, but made the sock affordable and made the sock um, accessible to as many people as possible. So it would be possible to make a 100% bison fiber sock, but it would be extremely expensive uh technically you could make a hundred percent bison sock there are several different challenges to that um one of which is that one of the main differences between a bison wool fiber and a sheep wool fiber is the amount of crimp uh crimp is basically how crooked or curly the fiber is and that allows the fibers to sort of lock into each other when you twist them together so bison has a lot less crimp than wool so wool also adds to the strength structure of the yarns when we're blending it with bison. So if we were to go to 100% bison, we'd have to move to a much more complicated um, spinning machine. Uh, the type of spinning machine used for 100% cashmere, for example, or 100% alpaca, those types of fibers, which also have less crimp than wool. And it would mean that we'd have to uh, spin much finer, more compact um, and more uh, challenging yarns, which also would drive up the cost. But in theory, it can be done, yeah. Interesting. So you guys have taken this brand new supply chain, essentially, and created socks, gloves, insulation. What else do you want to make? 
Uh, we have a lot of things that we're playing around with and experimenting with. But once you have a yarn, you can make pretty much anything as long as um, it fits the parameter of the fabric or um, garment you're trying to make. So since we've been able to make yarns um, for socks and hats, we know that it's possible to make a sweater. Um, we know that if we make a fine enough yarn and strong enough yarn, we could weave fabric out of it. It all really just comes down to the supply of fiber that we have, the market demand, and the price point we're able to achieve these things at. But as far as the bison fiber goes, there's really no limits. But but Brendan, what, what do you want to make out of bison? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm really excited by being able to expand into this new ultralight program. And also to see what sort of um, core products that our customers love from us, we can start to introduce a little bit of bison into. Um, so I can't tell you exactly what you'll be seeing from us in the next couple of years, but I'd keep an eye out for a new bison product. Well, I just want to go on record as saying that if you guys made a bison ski sweater with a big picture of a bison on the front of it, I would definitely buy that. <laughs> Well, I can definitely uh, definitely keep that in mind. And uh, you might be seeing a bison sweater from us. <laughs> Excellent. So I know we talked a bit about sustainability at the beginning of this conversation, but I wanted to circle back to it because I think it's such a core part of the United by Blue story and give you a chance to speak to the sustainability initiatives that are currently being being utilized at UBB and things that you guys have plans to do in the future on, on the sustainability front? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, United by Blue was founded really as a waterway conservation company and the apparel is the funding tool we use to clean up uh, the ocean and waterways. And once you sort of go down that path, you end up on this road towards holistic sustainability. You can't just clean up water without thinking about the consequences of the products you make, which is what led us to find fibers like bison, but also what dictates how we source all of our fibers. So we're a company that uses only organic cotton, got certified organic cotton, um, only recycled polyester. Um, we're moving towards 100% recycled nylon, and we're always looking to introduce um, more sustainable fibers. Uh, we rely heavily on hemp as replacement to cotton just because of how much less impact it has. And we're refining those hemp products all the time. And, um, you know, we just want to make sure that we're on the forefront of fiber and fabric sourcing as far as sustainability goes. It just doesn't make sense as a company that loves the outdoors to not protect the outdoors. Yeah, that's really cool. I like I like the story. I've been really impressed by the product. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast to kind of get people thinking about, you know, alternative ways and alternative fibers that we can use. You know, we're, we're, we're so kind of conditioned with, you know, cotton and down and all these, you know, sort of, you know, current paradigm fibers. And there's more out there. So, uh, so I'm really glad we got the chance to talk. I'm glad I got to learn a little bit more about bison and united by blue and uh yeah thanks for uh taking the time to sit down with us yeah i had a really great time and um i really appreciate you guys reaching out and getting a chance to talk a little bit about the brand and the product and what i do cool well shoot me an email when that bison sweater comes out <laughs> i'll keep you on a list <laughs> all right sounds good uh thanks so much brendan stay safe and uh, and healthy and we'll talk to you later all right sounds good take care 
That's it for this episode of Gear 30. Thanks to Brendan for the conversation. Thanks to J-Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. If you are enjoying these Gear 30 episodes, please spread the word to your gearhead friends. Be safe out there and we'll talk to you again next week.